0: what we're doing here at Church on the Hill with these foundations as we've, we've been doing this on Sunday mornings as well as on Wednesday nights, I believe the Lord is really moving in our hearts. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray in just a minute, and I want to just inform you that you could have a hard heart. All the time we want to think it's somebody else, but I want you to consider that maybe it's you. And that we're going to ask the Lord to soften our hearts so that if he has something to say to us this morning, that we hear it. Because what he has to offer us is good. What he has to offer us is an open door to where we normally couldn't get through that open door. And you may be trying to bust through yourself. I want you to know God is the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. But what happens is we don't even know it, but we get calloused and we get to where we can't hear. So as we bring this, as I bring this message this morning, this message is directly out of Hebrews chapter six, and it's about these foundations that God said, you need to learn these and move on from it and build on top of these foundations. So I want, as I pray, I just want you to consider, maybe I've got a hard heart and I need the Lord to soften it so that I can hear. Amen. Will you do that with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you, Lord, as we could possibly have a hard heart that you would soften it that, Lord, that you have given us ears to hear and that we would hear what it is that you have to say to us today. Because, God, you're a God who speaks, and you're not a God who, who, who causes us to have to wander around and maybe find our victory. No, you have given us the victory. Lord, soften our hearts that we might hear truth, that we might hear your word, and that we would follow it, that what you speak to us this morning... And what you speak to us through your word would have impact enough that we would follow it. That We would follow your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, foundations. Hebrews chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me there. Let's go over it again. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, number two, the doctrine of baptisms, number three, the laying on of hands, number four, the resurrection of the dead, number five, and of eternal judgment, number six. And this we will do if God permits. Uh, What is the official that has to come and overlook your building I still didn't hear you. Fire marshal. Um, i telling you, I, I don't think I'm old, but at the same time, I have elderly moments. I have senior moments where I can't remember anything. Um, fire marshal. God's the fire marshal. He's going to overlook your foundation and see if you can move on from it. And this we will do, we will do what? We will move on from elementary principles, laying this foundation, if God permits So, very important that I get my foundation laid and that God approves it. Then, I move. I move on. I build on top of that foundation. It's time to build, church. It's time to get off the elementary principles and start building. So, today we're looking at baptisms. Everyone say it plural, baptisms. The S on the end means what? Plural, those of you that forgot what in English class, what plural means, means more than one. There's more than one baptism. In fact, I'm going to show you four. I feel like the Lord is just causing, it happened in Sunday school this morning, that even in the most basic of teaching principles, that there is so much depth to what God has for us. And that we're missing so much. I can tell you with my life, there's got to be more. It's got to be better because, man, sometimes it's just struggle after struggle. And the Lord says, I agree. I've got so much more for you. God's the God of more than enough, not scraping by. I, I, when we think of scraping by, I just think of my finances check to check, but scraping by emotionally, scraping by physically Scraping by in my marriage, just barely holding it together. Scraping by with my kids, hoping something doesn't break and all the, ever, the world fall apart. That's no way to live. Baptisms, baptisms. If we can just look quickly at the word baptizo. Is that the meaning has never changed. This Greek word where baptisms come from hasn't changed. From the classical Greek right down to the New Testament Greek, it's always retained the same meaning to cause something to be dipped, to immerse something beneath the surface of water or some other fluid. Now, you may say, dude, we know that. I would tell you I think it is it's like a rock skipping on the surface it's not taking root. What's happens with these foundations is we just bypass them and want to get on to what we think is the good stuff and God says, "No, you must get your roots down in in order for you to be able to survive the hurricane that came yesterday, the the tor- hurricane, the tornado that came yesterday. If you get your roots down, you will make it. If you don't, you will be uprooted. You with me? Baptism. The act of baptism, I believe, can be compared to the opening and closing of a door. In a sense, this whole, this baptism word, um, if we consider it as an experience, is both total and transitional in the total sense that it involves the whole person and the whole, per, the whole personality of the one being baptized. But it's transitional in a sense for the person being baptized. It, 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 it marks a time of transition, passing out of one stage or realm of experience into a new stage or realm of experience never previously entered into. Are you with me? It includes your whole body, When you get baptized, it's going to get all of you, but it's also a transitional thing of you moving from one thing to another. Again, it can be compared to opening and closing of a door that the person being baptized passes through a door that's opened up by him through the act of baptism, out of something old and familiar, into something new and unfamiliar, and the door is closed behind them with no way of returning back through that door. You can't be unbaptized. You can't undo that act. In the natural sense, you can't undo it. I got baptized at five years old. I can't undo that. Keeping this in mind of baptism, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, and show you that as we look at this, it is plural, not plural. Singular. There are several baptisms. It is the doctrine of baptisms. So I'm going to let you look quickly at four, and we're only going to focus on three. The first is from Mark chapter 1, verse 4. And this is the one that was preached by John the Baptist. If you don't know the story about John the Baptist, just a real brief um, snippet, he came to prepare the way for Christ. Says it in Scripture, John came to prepare the way for Christ. So if we look in Mark chapter 4 verse 1, it says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. So that's the first one. The second one, I'm going to call and has been called by scholars as the baptism of suffering. Luke chapter 12, verse 50. This is Jesus speaking. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. I'm going to show you another scripture about this baptism in Mark ten thirty eight. And this is where the uh, sons of Zebedee had the privilege of sitting with Christ. They had asked to to sit on the right hand and the left hand of Christ in glory. You guys know Jesus responded negatively toward that, said it wasn't a position that he could give, but this is what he said to them. You don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? This is not talking about Jesus being baptized by John. This is about the road that Jesus had to take to the cross. This baptism, the baptism of suffering, Jesus is referring to a spiritual and physical surrender that that lay ahead of him as he went to the cross, surrendering his whole being, his spirit, his soul, and his body to the will of the Father that he may take upon himself the guilt of the world's sin and then pay for that suffering, pay by his suffering the price required to free us of our sin. This baptism, he's saying, guys, you will not, you cannot go through the same baptism that I'm about to go through. The third baptism is Christian baptism, New Testament Christian baptism. We see in Matthew 28, verse 19, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.'" The primary feature that distinguishes Christian baptism from the baptism of John the Baptist is that Christian baptism is to be carried out using the full name and authority of Christ. The full name and authority of, Christ, of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This was not so with John's baptism. Do you remember what John's baptism was? It was to be baptized through repentance and the remission, for the remission of sins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this clearer to you. I think that we're going we're gonna to come full circle in just a minute. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy, Holy Spirit. The fourth type of baptism is in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. And this is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, again, it is not my intent on Sunday mornings To teach this in its completion, it's to just give you enough to get you interested so that you build your foundation away from here, at home, in your life. 30 minutes a week is not enough to build your foundation for your marriage, for your kids, for your family, for your finances, for your victory, for your health. It's got to be done as a life. We learned last week that the just shall live by faith. You've got to live according to God's word, not 30 minutes a week. So I'm barely going to touch the surface of these. Come on Wednesday night and we'll go deeper into it, but it still won't be a lot. Telling you, you get 12, 15 people together, it's hard to even get a topic out of your mouth. Why? Because everybody's going through something. Everybody's dealing with something. That's why the body of Christ is here, is to help you walk through life. It's not to build your foundation. That's your job. Everybody say amen. amen. Okay, I'm going to assume you agree. <laughs> so as we see here, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to just clarify this word with. Um, the, in the actual Greek text, the preposition used here is in. If you remember from the previous scriptures, we saw baptized with water, right? Baptized with water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The same baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptized with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. With, just the same as with water, with the Holy Spirit. You follow me? I don't want us to get hung up with words. These words in and into, into, to be baptized in and into to cause to be dipped or immersed in the holy spirit in water it says again in acts chapter 1 verse 8 you should the reason for the baptism in the holy spirit the primary reason you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in jerusalem and in all judea and in samaria to the ends of the earth what is the baptism holy in the holy spirit main function primarily is to be supernaturally endued with power from on high to be a witness for Christ. There is a purpose. So the, out of the four that I mentioned, we're going to take a look at three. The three that we participate in. The baptism of John the Baptist, Christian baptism in water, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I think we can easily get sidetracked between Christian baptism and uh, the baptism of John the Baptist, and I'm going to spend this morning just kind of unraveling that and hopefully getting your interest up um, to be able to lay this foundation, lay these two side by side. So let's start in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, and if y'all have got your Bibles, get them out, get out your iPhones, read along with me, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3. Can you help me back there, Liz? Verse 3. Justin. (laughs) Is it locked up? Verse 3. And he said to them, can you just go back to verse 1? Let's start again. I tell you, it's so easy to lose your brain's momentum. We are so easily distracted. I mean, I just got distracted and I know what I'm teaching. Let's start again. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. What is that saying? Finding some Disciples. Those have already given their heart to Christ. They are disciples of Christ. That's who he's referring to is he has come upon some disciples and said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, we have not so much even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, "Then into, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized them with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They literally were baptized twice in water. If you will go on to the next scripture, we see that they immediately get baptized in the Holy Spirit, but that is not what's happening right here. They were baptized in a baptism of repentance, but John said, but Paul said, that's not all of it. There's one more step, that is to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see the impact of that. It's huge. Once you know, John came to prepare the way for Christ, but when Christ came, a new way came. There was a new way, and it was so important that even Paul said, "Hey, I know you're believers. When you believed, did you re- did you receive the Holy Spirit? No, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. What were you baptized in? We were baptized by asking forgiveness for our sins. But there's so much more to Christ." Can I tell you that your walk with Christ is so much more than just getting free of your sin? That's a small part. That's not even the good part. The good part is Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Paul said, okay, we need to to correct this just a bit. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he called them disciples. But when he looked close at what disciples they were. They weren't disciples of Christ. They were disciples of John. Can I tell you, I believe we can find the church in the same spot. I believe that they can even be disciples of church, not Christ. And all John said, I mean, Paul's not saying, oh man, you've just missed it. You're terrible. You're terrible people. No, he's saying, wait a minute. Let's correct this. Jesus is who saves you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Not church, not John the Baptist, not me, not your spiritual mentor. If you try to make it to heaven on your spiritual mentor, you will be disappointed. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. They weren't disciples of Christ. They were disciples of John the Baptist. John's ministry was of necessity. It was brief and temporary. It didn't constitute in itself a dispensation, but merely a period of transition. John's ministry was a period of transition to prepare the way for Christ. He said it himself. So with John the Baptist, two main functions of his baptism, repentance and the confession of sin; those two conditions needed to be met before John would baptize baptize them. Again, let's look again at Mark chapter four, verse one. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance and for the remission of sin. It says in Matthew three eleven, "I indeed baptize you in water into repentance." But with many of these Pharisees and Sadducees that came to John to be baptized, John refused to, to baptism because he had not seen a real change in their lives uh, before he would baptize them. And look what he said. He said, but when he saw all these Pharisees and Sadducees coming in for his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from this wrath to come? Verse 8. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. John was pretty hardcore. If you weren't showing that you had repented, he didn't baptize you. It was a going for the the, the heart had already changed. He was just confirming what had changed. I see that you've changed. Now I'm going to baptize you, signifying what it is that you've done. But again, this was a baptism of repentance. For the remission of sin, John was saying, prove first your actions, that there's been real change in your life before I'll baptize you. There was an outward act confirming a visible change for those being baptized, passing through their experiences of repentance and forgiveness. This baptism served as an outward seal giving assurance of an inward transformation that had already taken place. But the difference here is those that received John's baptism did not receive the abiding inward peace and victory over sin, making possible only through the full gospel message of Jesus Christ. But their hearts were prepared to receive it. Can you see that one of the biggest steps toward receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior is you acknowledging your need to? One of the biggest steps for an alcoholic to get free is to admit that they are an alcoholic and that they need help. Until we can come to that point, it's hard to receive help. Have you ever tried to help someone that doesn't want help? it's in my opinion it's impossible bar- barring a miracle you wind up enabling you want it worse than the person that needs it so as we move to christian baptism Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 i want you to be thinking about this through the filter of what we've just seen with john the ba- john the baptist baptism Matthew 13 then, uh, Justin or uh, Liz, just flip the pages for me as I go. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to me. So permit it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him when he had been baptized, Jesus came out up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So, although Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the form of baptism, even though it was done by John the Baptist, this form of baptism was not at all at the same level as those that were baptized by John. As we've already pointed out, John's baptism had two demands. It was for repentance and the public confession of sin. Why doesn't that work for Jesus? He had none. Jesus, Jesus was pointing out there's a difference between what's gone before and what's happening now. And Jesus is being baptized. It's so significant when you can grab hold of what Jesus is saying to us here. Jesus had no sin. We still need the baptism of repentance and the confession of sin. But Jesus is saying, there's so much more now that I'm here. What I've done, I'm going to show you what I've done. It says in Matthew verse 3, verse 14, Matthew chapter 3, verse 14, it should be the next scripture. Is it not? He says, "I have need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me." What's John saying, John uh, Jesus? You don't need my baptism. But then in verse fifteen, he answered, "Permit it to me now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness." It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus' answer here, we find both the reason of why Jesus was baptized and also the true significance of full Christian baptism, distinguishing it with the temporary form of John's baptism. Jesus was not baptized by John as an outward evidence that he had repented of sin because he had no sin. Jesus... was not baptized because he needed to repent of sin. Jesus was baptized in order that he might fulfill or complete all righteousness. Jesus is showing us that there that even he as a man needed to go through this step for this reason, to fulfill or complete all righteousness. Jesus was deliberate in consciously establishing a standard of behavior. By being baptized by John, he was setting an example and a pattern of the baptism in which he desired Christian believers to follow him. And not only did he show us that this is the route to go, the Father spoke and said, This is the way I want it done. Did anyone see what my son, who came in here with no sin, just did? He just fulfilled all righteousness as a man. As a man, and with him I am well pleased. If we look closely at this to fulfill or complete all righteousness... Jesus, again, was not baptized as evidence that he had confessed and repented of his sins. He was perfectly righteous. But this righteousness was first an inward condition of the heart that Jesus possessed. But by allowing himself to be baptized, Jesus fulfilled or completed this inward righteousness as an outward act of obedience to the will of his heavenly Father. When you... Surrender to Christ and get baptized. You are willingly surrendering yourself to what Jesus, what God the Father said to do, what Jesus did himself and instructed us to do. It is an outward expression of an inward change. And Jesus commanded his disciples to do it. Believers are not to be baptized merely because they're sinners who have confessed and repented. This would put us right back to John's baptism. We must still confess and repent of our sins. Without this, we, are not, we can't even be Christians. But they have passed beyond this into something much fuller and greater that was possible only by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace through God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we receive Christ, we do not merely just confessing and repenting our sins. By faith in the atoning death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been justified. We've been made righteous and baptism fulfills the righteousness. Without baptism, the righteousness is left unfulfilled. It is an outward expression of an inward thing that's happened. And I want you to know the dead man goes into the water, the new man comes out. It is supernatural truth. that a a, peer, a a thing of transition takes place a door is opened and another door is closed the dead stays in the water and life comes out so with that said i want to ask you have you been water baptized if you haven't why not I don't get paid anymore whether you get baptized or not. You are the beneficiary. Not even that, you are in disobedience of the gospel of Christ. I'm not going to apologize for the gospel. Jesus did it. Jesus said to do it. He told us to do it. Church, if you're a disciple of Christ, you should be baptizing people. Is that not what Jesus said to do when he left? Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You need to close this door. And let the Lord open the next one. It is a fulfilling of righteousness. It is making me right with God. There's no other way. I cannot be right with God without it. It is an outward expression of an inward change. Will you all stand up with me? Church, I'm in no way trying to fear you into this. I'm trying to love you into it. What God has for you is all of his love. We sang all this morning about the love of God. God doesn't give his heart in pieces. Um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth and I were listening to this music. My, my youngest daughter said, what are we singing Sunday? So I turned it on. We just started listening to it. And Elizabeth just said, what's the scriptural significance of pieces? And whenever she asked me questions like that, I want to get defensive. I'm like, oh, no, she's going she's to tear this apart. My wife's one of the smartest people I know. And very black and white. Here's the spirit of God. And, you know, I think that we learn love from each other. And we withhold. We get offended. We hold unforgiveness. We put up walls. We withdraw. We do all kinds of things with our love. Even the best of of you... I don't want to say us, but not me. I have issues sometimes with my love. Talked about it in Sunday school this morning. I have issues with my neighbor, and loving my neighbor is hard. And most of the time I don't. And then Jesus starts showing me, you're not loving your neighbor. And I'm like, I know, I'm well aware of that. Uh, but the reason I can love my neighbor is if I can really grasp how the Lord has loved me. God does not withhold. He's not he's not a passive aggressive lover. He gives you everything. He gives you his whole heart. He he corrects wrongs that could never be corrected. These foundations, just this right here in baptism, you making a step toward the Lord, even though you can't see it in the natural, I want you to know God is going to move in the supernatural. Trust Him. Trust His Word. If you've not been water baptized in Christian baptism, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit... It's time. It's time to close that door and do it with great expectation of what God wants to do and be in your life. Let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for truth and I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that when you died on the cross for my sins, when you died on the cross for me, that you didn't just die for my sin. You died for me, not for the stuff I did. You died for me, to redeem me, to take me back out of the chains of life and of this world, to restore me to who I am. not just to deal with my wrongs. I'm still so thankful that you deal with my wrongs and that you cleanse me of those and you set me free of those. But, Lord, that is not the center of the gospel. The center of the gospel is you. And you in me. And Lord, I'm different because of you. You may be here today and you may not have ever made that first time decision. It says in Scripture all that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord. I know that the Holy Spirit is telling you that there is truth in this place and that the life you're living is not the right one. Give your heart to the Lord. It says in Romans ten nine that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. When we dismiss and go back to just have a small fellowship, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, come and see me. Come and see Pastor Jesus. Come Pastor Jesus. Come and see Pastor Justin. <laughs> that one might stick. We got to be careful with that one. Pastor Jesus. Can I tell you as we're in the, one of the most tense moments of your of your life? Jesus is full of joy. The Spirit of God is full of joy and love and laughter. He rejoices in you. He rejoices in you. And you may say, I don't know that. I don't know that joy. Well, it's time to step through a door that is open. It says that he stands at the door and knocks. If you will just open the door, he will come in. Open the door. But you have to step. He will not make this step for you. He has already made all the steps needed for you. But you have to step into it. Lord God, I just pray that the hearts are softened, that we hear your voice and that we listen to it and we respond to it, and we genuinely become disciples of Christ, following you, following your spirit and your word. Change our church. Change our city. Change our nation. To be a nation that is disciples of Christ. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We're going to fellowship out here with a little bit of snacks. First time guests, we want to meet you. Old time visitors, old time members, we want to meet with you. Please stick around and fellowship with us. God bless you.